like to turn to Luke chapter 18. We'll take our reading from there this afternoon. Glad to have the opportunity once again to speak to everyone. Thanks for everyone who's able to make it out. Um, we may recognize this from the parables we went through a couple years ago. We went through a few of the parables, some of the teachers, and we'll be revisiting one of those this afternoon. I believe it would be beneficial for us too um, in this brief time that I have with you. Um, so if you like, we'll turn to Luke chapter 18. We'll read the first eight verses there. <clears throat> there it reads, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary, she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? One of the convenient things I leave about this parable, um, as with a few parables and stories in the Bible, is that there's no guessing to the original intent of the parable, what it's meant to teach us. We're told right off the bat in the very first verse we're, <coughs> that Jesus but this parable, we're told it is for, uh, for us that we should always pray and we should not lose heart. <clears throat> I wish there were other passages that had, were so conveniently worded that way. We knew exactly what they meant. There was no guessing. It's very beneficial for us at the top of the, the parable to know exactly what it is we're looking at, how we are to use it to apply to our lives. In order to teach the importance of prayer and keeping hope, we have this picture painted for us by Jesus. There was once in a city a widow, and there was some wrong that was done to her. Uh, the wording here through a word study will lead us to believe it's some uh, matter of law that um, she's been wronged in, and she's been taken advantage of in some way, and she seeks to have that right. And she go, so she goes to the judge of the city to have this taken care of. She comes to him and asks that he make the verdict against the one who has wronged her and to make things right. Um, in, in this parable we have, instead of it being a parallel drawn between the judge and God, or Jesus, as we see in some parables, this is going to be, as we go forward, I believe it's beneficial to know this is drawing a contrast between God and this judge. That we may learn some of the, about the character of God, the nature of God, and how um, he judges and views us in contrast with this judge. So just as we have the opportunity to go before our judge, which is God, and approach his throne and ask petition on any grievances that we may have, that's what this woman has done. She has a grievance, and she goes before the judge to ask aid in this given thing. The contrast, firstly, is that we are told that up front the judge does not fear God, um, nor does he regard man or have any common respect for others and care for them, which is a required characteristic, I believe, of a good and a fair judge. The contrast is that unlike this poor widow, our judge is not someone we have to perhaps wait for an appointment to see that she most likely had to do. It doesn't have certain business hours on certain days that you may attempt to try and see them. Our judge is accessible instantaneously through the avenue of prayer. We can at any moment approach his throne in prayer, and unlike this judge, also God has great compassion for man. 
and he has shown that compassion throughout all of time and how blessed we are to have a judge that is so accommodating and willing to hear our case and help us. Earlier in the book of Luke, in chapter 12, verse 7, Jesus, we can read there, tells his disciples that God does not forget even a single sparrow, and that beyond that, even the very hairs of our head are numbered. God loves us immensely and cares for us, unlike the judge here. We are told that after the widow had pestered the judge for quite some time, that he grew weary of her. And it's interesting that in the story that the judge says to himself, even though I do not fear God or, or regard man, seems to be a thought that he actually had to himself. He's aware of this, showing that it's truly just out of annoyance that he decides to continue on and give the widow what she wants. He had no conscience about doing the right thing to help another fellow human, a widow who had likely nothing and no one there with her. He did not even do it because he knew that's what God wanted, despite what he may want. He did it merely for his own convenience and to give her what she wanted so that she would stop pestering him. Now, we have a very different judge, you and I. And, excuse me. In, verse, in Peter 5, verse 6 through 7, we're told, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Our God, our judge, cares for us. God wants us to come to him in prayer. We are expected to come to him in prayer. Philippians 4 and 4 tells us as much, that we are expected to go before God in prayer. And once again, in contrast with this judge here, God does not answer our prayers because of consistent asking. How often does it seem that we, and on myself, I can speak to this on my own, that we pray when we believe we're in need of something, something that we may want. We may be in need financially or perhaps we're in need emotionally. When things are going poorly, it seems that we or I tend to run to him quicker in prayer. And when things are going well, it's not as much. How often do we thank him for the things that we have when things are going good? But God does not give us what we desire because we may want it badly, because we pray every day for this thing. We're told numerous times that he will be there for us. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 through 26 tells us the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke of his youth. We are expected to wait with him and to wait quietly, to be patient. Are we patient with God? Do we expect him to answer our prayers now, instantly, in the way that we believe that they should be answered? Is our prayer life approached in such a manner that we treat prayer as more of a genie in a bottle type of situation? If we are relatively good enough by our own standards, and if we want it bad enough, and we believe we can justify it in our minds that we need this thing, and we keep consistently praying for it, that we'll get it. That's not how prayer works, and that is not what prayer is for. Yes, we have the avenue to ask for things that we need, and maybe even things that we want. But if that is the majority of what we use prayer for, and I fall in this category myself from time to time, then I believe we have missed the point of prayer. But God answering prayers sometimes looks a lot like no. We read often of how his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What we think we may need may not be what we really need. And I won't stand here and pretend that I understand everything about prayer and the will of God and how it is exercised through our prayer because I don't fully understand that myself. But sheer volume of prayer with the hopes of wearing God down 
to get what we want is not the way, as was with the judge here. Jesus then tells those that were there to hear or understand what the unjust judge had said. He didn't care for the widow. He did not care for her plot. And Jesus says, Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out, cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? So even though we're not to expect the vast volume of prayer to change God's mind, as it were, we are expected to pray to him and to pray to him continually. Ask for those things in which we need. Paul prayed to God many times for the, for the removal of his affliction. God said no because it served a purpose. But we see that he was still continually praying for it. It does us good at times to suffer. We grow from suffering, from adversity at times. But we see that we must continually be praying. Jesus says that God bears long with us. The grace of God truly is astounding. Though God bear along with us in our sins and our going against His will, which we do as humans, as we grow older and wiser, hopefully we learn to better ourselves. But we all have our shortcomings and we all have our weaknesses. And through all of that, God bears with us and is there to see our needs met if we would just obey Him and follow His will. God will also avenge us. God will provide for us that which we need. And while we may suffer, He will bear with us in our suffering. Another contrast in the story is that the widow had no one to help to plead her case. From what we read, she's there and she's on her own. But we do. We have Jesus Christ. We are told makes intercession for us. He is our advocate to the Father. Not only do we have someone to make intercession for us, but the widow had no hope that her situation would be resolved. She was there begging and pleading every day. Didn't know if anyone was going to take her seriously, but we are told that for those who are of God's elect to cry out day and night that we will be avenged and we will be avenged speedily. Now, as we have pointed out, an answered prayer is not always what we think it will look like. Even Christ prayed that the Father's will be done. In the garden, Jesus prayed that the cup which he was partake of would pass from him. I don't believe that was the first time that he, he had prayed to God about that in the, that final hour that he made that prayer. I believe there was probably many times that he prayed about this, this cup. I believe that, well, we know he prayed urgently. He, he sweated as it were great drops of blood, we were told. He was under so much pressure. But what did he say? Not as I will, but as you will. We will be speedily avenged as it pertains to God's will. But there are a few criteria that we, even reading through this past short passage as we have, may miss on a first read. We are to be of God's elect, we're told. Those of God's elect, that His chosen, His people. So are you and I His people? We are here now, we're in this service, but are we His people? Do we study his word and strive to gain a greater knowledge from it, strive to gain wisdom. Do we pray for knowledge and wisdom? Do we practice what we preach and do we strive to help other lost souls to be saved? Are we the people, are we the Christians that he expects us to be? Do we cry out day and night, as we're told here, as elect will do? We do not have to stay in prayer 24 hours a day constantly, but are we in a spiritual habit of praying to God throughout the day and throughout our week, and not just at mealtime? Do we really take time to pray? Do we seek His counsel and His guidance? These are the requirements that we read here in this same verse. Do we meet these requirements? Or are we more of 
pray twice a day at meals, and maybe if we have something that we believe we need. And I'll study my Bible and do Christian things when it's convenient for me. Because if we are, we might want to check what we really believe that we are entitled to when we pray to God. <clears throat> How can we expect Him to take our prayers seriously when we don't even take our prayers seriously ourselves? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? I believe this is referring to when Christ comes back on the day of judgment. The point here is, even with such a great avenue that, that is prayer that we're talking about here, that has been given to us, and a God who begs us to pray for Him, who commands us to pray for Him, and to do so often, begs us to put our cares on Him, and that tells us that He will aid us in the things that we struggle with, and He will make sure we have all that we need. And do we really ever have less than, than what we need? Jesus is saying, with all this and how much we're asked to pray and the benefits that we can gain from it and that we should not that we, and that we should not lose heart once again that's one of the reasons why this passage is here that we should pray and not lose heart even with all this will this make will it make a difference when he comes back will this great gift have been given that has been given to us have been taken advantage of and used to sustain and to grow our faith or will it have been squandered and, and the strength of our faith dwindling as a result. I do not believe it's coincidence that after telling of how God will avenge those who cry out for Him, that He follows it with the phrase, nevertheless, or in spite of that, in spite of all these things, will He find faith? And why is that? He knows it can be difficult for us to believe, I believe, in the depth of the love that God has for us to realize how special that we are to Him this passage as we read, or as we read in the first of the passages, to help us to pray and also help us to not lose heart. We are to endure to the end, realizing as much as our mortal minds can the extent of His love for us, and to give us hope and courage to endure. But in contrast to the unjust judge, if even he, for his own, if even only for his own gain, could be persuaded to hear the plea of the widow, how much more so than a just judge and a righteous judge? How much more so our judge, who's our Heavenly Father? <clears throat> That's the end of my thoughts on this short passage this evening. I hope something was said was beneficial to us, was able to help us and strengthen us in our Christian walk. We never want to close a service without offering the gospel invitation. If there's anyone who feels they need to make things right, they need to be baptized for the mission of sins, become member of the fold, be happy to assist you in that. Or if there's someone who, a member who would like to have the prayers of the church on their behalf, we have to, to pray with you and for you as well. If you'll come as we stand and as we sing.